Well, when you watch that movie, it has lots of good characters, and, and, and there's different stories throughout that, that movie, but um, one of the characters in that movie, his name is Brooks, and, and, and maybe you've seen the movie, but it's hard to remember who Brooks is. Brooks is an older guy in the movie, and in the movie, um, Brooks is introduced into the movie kind of early on when the main character, Andy, is in prison, and he has his food, and he looks down, I think it's like one of his first days in prison, too, but he looks down at his food, and there's a maggot in his food, and, and he, I think he kind of fishes it out, and he looks at it, and Brooks is this old guy, and he looks over at Andy, and he says, can I have that? And, and, and I think Andy, I'm, I'm reading into this, thinks that Brooks is going to take this maggot and eats it, but he, he extends it to him, he gives it to him, and, and Brooks takes this maggot, and then he pulls a little bird out of his pocket, and he gives it to the bird, okay? So you remember that, okay? So Brooks is this guy and this character who has been in prison for a lot of his life, and, and it's actually about all he knows in life is, is, is the law. He's told when to get up in the morning. He's told when he can go outside. Everything he does is super structured. When he eats, when he sits down. So his life is full of rules and structure. And there comes this time in this movie when Brooks is about to be released from jail, and he starts to get really worked up, and he, he can't imagine being a free person. So then what Brooks does is, and if you, have you seen the movie? You haven't seen it? I don't know. But, but what he does is this old man, Brooks, he goes and he, he takes this knife he makes, and he sticks it to another man's neck, and he's, he's going he's gonna to cut him. And, and the whole reason why he wants to cut this guy isn't because he dislikes him, but because he's, he's afraid to be free. Everything he knows is about living as a man in prison under the law. And they talk him off of this, okay? And, and, and he doesn't kill him. And, 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 and actually what happens is Brooks gets out of prison. He gets a job. And while he's in his job, he, he goes to this grocery store. And then he goes back to his apartment. He goes to the grocery store. And, and, and that's all he does. And, and, and he's at the grocery store in one of the scenes. And he says to, the, to his boss, can I use the bathroom now? And, and, and the boss like, yeah, but you don't need to ask me when you want to use the bathroom. He was so burdened by the law, he didn't know how to live as a free man once he was free. And that, my friends, well, let me tell you the end of the story for Brooks. So if you haven't seen the movie, what he does is he takes his knife out and he scrapes into this, this uh, pillar and he puts, Brooks was here. And then he hangs himself. He hung himself because of the weight of the law. There was too much for him to live by, too much for him to do right. He didn't understand the freedom. And you know what? That is where we are at with Christianity sometimes. We don't understand the freedom that has been given to us in the gospel, and it kills us. Let's read this, chat, this text from Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 12, and hopefully it can, it can speak to our hearts, our minds, and our souls, okay? It's going to come from Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 12. It says 1 to 15 in your bulletin, but I, I switched that too. So, okay? So, um, if you have a pew Bible, does anybody know what page that's on? 974, which makes a lot of sense because I think we were on like 973 last week. So, okay? So... Let's pray, 
And then we're going to read it. And if you have your phones, you're using your phones, you can use your phones also. It's not like you need to use the Pew Bible. So um, let's pray. Uh, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your words to us. We thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. And may that speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. And as we come in here, Lord, being burdened by the things of this world, the distractions that are out there, may your Holy Spirit calm us. May it speak to us. May it put us in a place. May your Spirit forcefully cause us to rest so that we can hear your word today. In your name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you, that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. This text that, we, that I just read to you, it actually scares the church. Look, look at the first line of it. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And, and what happens when we actually hear these words for what it says is that, is that it, it scares us into the scared gospel message. It is for freedom that Christ sets you free. Why did Christ set you free? To be free. When you look at this in the Greek, it's, 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 it's unique because like, it is for freedom that you have been set free. You are free to be exactly that. You, are not, you have not been set free so that you can still be under the, the, the jurisdiction of the law. And it leads us to a scared church because um, we think that sometimes that if people knew that they have freedom in the gospel, then maybe they won't come to church. If people, because nowhere in scripture does it say you must believe and go to church to be saved. But when we preach a message of freedom, then we think, oh man, well then maybe, maybe they won't go to church anymore. And it, and it creates a scary message of church another way too. Oh man, If it's true freedom, then do I really have to give to the church? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to give? Do I have to volunteer? And I hope you hear all these have tos because a lot of times we say, oh, what does it mean to be a Christian? And when we, you hear these things that come out like this, we don't mean for it to sound this way, but it does. 
What does it mean to be a Christian? Oh, it means I go to church on Sundays. It means I tithe. It means I give to the poor. It means all these things. But look at the first verse. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And this is not a scared message. It's a freeing message. This one commentary I was reading said that, that this book is a book of Jesus Christ's work to liberate us from all of the, the weights and the burdens that, that this world gives to us. There are two things in this first verse that are important for us to catch on to, though. The first thing, I want, you, I want you to hear this, because nothing that Paul writes here is, is by mistake. And, and, and Paul remembers where these Galatians came from. He remembers who they used to be, and he remembers their life before they knew who God was. Remember who Paul is. Paul, Paul's a missionary. His whole thing, when he writes to the Galatians and the Ephesians and the Colossians, he is going from place to place. And after he leaves there, he'll write them a book. Or even sometimes before he goes there, he'll write to them and let them know he's coming. But see, Paul is... Is, is reminding them of who they used to be. It is because before their life, before they knew who God was, it wasn't they didn't have joy or excitement or peace, even though those things, it doesn't seem like they had them because of the, the things that they were doing, but, but he was trying to get them to remember the many false worship practices that they had. See, the, the Galatians were from the Celtic people, and, and, and it was during times of these crusades and, and these wars that they ended up where they ended up. And these, these, these Celtic people who became Galatians, they were fishermen. And, and, and here's what they believed. They believed in a, in a God who, who would deliver to them good fishing seasons. And in order for them to, to be delivered good fishing seasons, they needed to... to um, worship this God and have offerings to this God, make sacrifices to, to this God. And what do you think happened when they went out and they didn't catch fish? Why do you think they didn't catch, in their mind, why didn't they catch fish? Anybody? What's that? They didn't do enough. That's right. So, so either they didn't do enough or they weren't good at it or they didn't. Do you see that? Didn't do enough. I wasn't good enough. And you know what? We see traces of that inside of Christianity. Something goes wrong in my life, what do we think? It's because I sinned yesterday. It's because I didn't go to church. It's because I didn't give enough. And we don't see that anywhere in Scripture. And Paul comes along, and Paul starts to preach the gospel message to them, a message that takes the 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 work's burden out of their hand. A message that tells them that this is not about their works, but this is about God's works. And, and, and so, somebody this last week I was talking to her from our church, they said, oh, it's like you always say, Pastor Brandon, we have a vertical relationship with Jesus. And we do. And here's what it looks like. It's, it's God and what he does for us. You know, the horizontal So we, our works part is the horizontal relationship. It's what our works do for other people. It's Christ's work in us and his work in us for other people. But when we're good to other people, when we serve other people, when, when we 
do the things that we do, we are not doing those things to improve upon this relationship. This relationship, the relationship between man and God has been solidified through the work of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in Scripture does it say it's through the work of Jesus Christ. Plus, you know that guy, Brandon? He's a pretty darn good pastor. You know, his works, now that helps make his relationship with Jesus good. And now you think about your own self. And in nowhere in Scripture does it say that, hey, you know what? If you're a little bit better, you're going to have a better relationship with Jesus. Your salvation will be set if you can just do a few more things a little bit better. See, that's the law. And it says in the very first verse, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Uh, we need to move away from landfill Christianity into the freedom of the gospel. Landfill Christianity looks like this. We have Jesus works. Oh, we believe in this Jesus guy. But then when we do something wrong or we have these sins, we think, okay, let me do a few good things. Let me do a few good things, and that will cover up the bad stuff I've done. And then when I mess up again, it goes on top of the good stuff. And then, oh, I messed up. I better do some good stuff. I better go to church extra this week. I better give a little extra. I better be a little extra nice to my wife. All those things that we think that are good things to do, okay? And then it covers up the bad things again. You know what the problem with that is? You ever been to a landfill? It stinks. You haven't gotten rid of any of the filth, and you haven't gotten rid, of, gotten rid of any of the trash. The only thing you've done is you covered it up with a little bit of dirt and threw down some grass seed, some grass grew on it, and it looks like a nice-looking sledding hill until you sled down it, and, you're, and you smell like trash. Jesus didn't come to cover up your sin. Jesus came to remove your sin and mine. But there's just something about that that is so hard for us to let his gift be a gift to us. In chapter, or verse 2 of this, it says this, Paul goes on to say, my, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Now, I want you to think about something. In the Old Testament, you know, you were command, it was commanded on the eighth day to be circumcised. Is Jesus saying that circumcision is no good anymore? He's saying it is no good if you think that's what's going to save you. If you're placing your trust in something that you do, it is no good. We are not called to place our trust in our works and circumcision or, or anything else, but we place our trust in the work of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on and says this, but tell you what, if you're going to go on through and, and you're going to get this circumcision because you think it's going to help you, then don't just get circumcised. Go out and make sure you honor your mother and father every single day. And make sure that you don't ever look at somebody with lust and commit adultery. And make sure you don't ever drive by somebody else's house and be like, man, I really want that house. That house is huge. It's beautiful. Because then you're, you're, you're coveting your neighbor's stuff. And if, and, if, and if you're going to go out and get circumcised, then make sure you don't ever use God's name in vain. You shouldn't do that anyways. I'm just saying. 
you look through these Ten Commandments and you, you better make sure you perfect them all because what you're doing when you give into this, this, this theology of works, of circumcision, then you are placing your trust in that and you are not placing your trust in Jesus. I'm going to come back to that in a few minutes here. But what I wanted to do is um, I, have, I have one brother here today from Pella, Iowa. I have a brother here and his wife and his children. Children, he has one child and he has another one on the way. I have a brother here from Illinois, his wife and his three kids, and I have a sister from Alabama, and her husband and her, their child here today too. And I, last week I said to the church, hey, uh, pray for me as my family's coming to town next week. And they said, oh, we're going to pray for you because you have issues. That's, so that was kind of a comment that was made, you know. It wasn't said like that, but that was the intent of it. Yeah, we will pray for you, you know, like, okay. So, but I, I, I thought, I'm going to share this story about, about my grandpa um, this morning, since they're here, and it's one that's meaningful to me. And I might have shared it here once. I don't remember some of the stories I shared, but, but um, I remember, and we talked about this a little bit this week, but my grandpa Jack had, had a huge influence on my life. Um, he was a very hardworking man, like hardworking. Um, and when I was younger, uh, he took me to his house, and, and, and he let me cut his grass to make some money. And my grandpa had one of those lawnmowers that you pushed it, and it had a bagger on it. And, and when you, so you're, you're cutting the grass, and the first one's easy because you're pushing, and it's not that bad. And then you, you get to the second row, and it's, it's a little bit heavier, right? Because you have grass clippings in it. And you just keep going. And as you go, and if the grass is ever damp, then it's even heavier. But you just keep going, and then the, it gets heavier. And, and with each, each row you cut, it's heavier and heavier and heavier. And then what you had to do is you had to go and you had to take this bag off the thing and you, maybe some of you guys don't even know about this because you have mulchers, but like when you take this bag full of cut clippings, you then have to dump it into some paper, at least I had since we live in the city, into a paper bag that every time I did this, the bag tore, the bag fell over, always had these issues. I mean, I kicked the bag over after a while, pouring the ground, and I just like shove it into the, into the bag, okay? And then I would go and do it again. And my grandpa had a decent-sized yard. But like I said, my grandpa was also a hard worker. So my grandpa went to the next-door neighbor named Norm and said, Norm, my grandson would love to cut your grass. Now, Norm, Norm, Norm man, he was a unique guy. And, and, and he was also a wealthy guy. So Norm thought it was really cool to have a million, not a million, number of statues in his backyard that you had to cut around. So as the bag gets heavier, you're going around these statues and, 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 and all these trees, and, and, and there was a ton of them. And then my grandpa, because he's a hard worker, went to the neighbor on the other side of him and said, hey, you're going to India for two months this summer? My grandson would love to cut your grass. And he was right, I would, but, but, but here's the deal. These are three big lots with the push mower, okay? And, and, and they kept on getting heavier and heavier, and you're doing it, and it takes long. So then my grandpa goes out, and he buys this... This, this lawnmower, that, that's a, one, it's a mulching lawnmower, so no more, no longer do I have to, to, to do this and kick the bag and get angry and swear. Instead, and it had this little lever. The first time I used it, I almost fell over. It had this lever. I didn't do anything. It just self-propelled. And it just, and I'm cutting the grass in record time, and it's awesome. So about three weeks into this, I realize I'm not doing anything. 
I'm not working anymore. The lawnmower is doing it all. I'm, I'm finishing cutting three grass in less the time that I would cut one. I'm barely sweating. There's nothing really going on. So then one day we, my grandpa picks me up. We go to his house. He goes inside. I take out the old lawnmower. And I start cutting the grass with the bagger, the one I had to push. And I get going. And I'm, I'm cutting the grass. And my grandpa comes out. And he says, what are you doing? Why are you being so foolish? Why would you go back to the old way? And that's Jesus. That is the message of Christianity. Why would you go back to a life of works when you have been set free? Jesus came so that we may be set free. There are times in our lives when, when we're burdened because of our mistakes, because we blew up at our wife, we we. we we got drunk, we, we crashed a car, we, you, you just fill in your blanks. I, I see what you guys do on Facebook, I know you. I'm just joking. But we're burdened. And, and when you look at that first verse, and, and, and that's the one, I mean, I don't know if you guys noticed, but like last year when all of the kids went to youth convention, this was our theme. Our theme was it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He has not set you free so that you would be foolish and go back and revert back to a life of works. Just so you know, you know, I want you to hear something, and it's Jesus' own words, and this is what he says. He says, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. And when he says that, there's a reason why I'm telling you that right now, because when we go back to our text and we're looking at our text, this is what it says. Let me find where it was. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that he will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Do you know why, in, in, in that last verse, Paul goes, you know, I don't just wish that they would circumcise themselves. I want you to hear the language of this. He goes, I wish that they would go ahead and finish the job. Paul is so mad. I mean, think of the language of that he uses there. There's a reason for that. Because when you move from a message of works or religion into a, a message of by faith alone through Jesus Christ, and then you start to move into a message of, of Jesus plus something else. I don't know. Paul, is what he's saying is here is you have moved away from the faith. You are no longer saved. You no longer have grace. And then this is what this is what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Not me and something else. And Paul is mad because, because somebody is speaking a doctrine that's contrary to the work of Jesus Christ. So go back to that first verse as we close up and wrap up here. It says, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Then, and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. 
Jesus is saying, come to me, all of you, and I will give you rest. Jesus is saying, rest in the assurances that I give you and not in the assurances of man. And, and, and the invitation that Jesus gives us is what we're going to do with communion because it says, come to me, all of you who are weary and, weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Here at Emmaus Road Church, we practice open communion. What does that mean? It means this. It means that we cannot begin to know what's in your heart. So here's what we say. If you believe that Jesus Christ died for you, paid for your sins on the cross so that you may have life with the Father, then you are welcome to come and take communion with us today. As it gets passed around, we ask you to take it. If you're trusting in the works of Jesus, this is for you. If you have not yet come to that place, but maybe today is that day, then you know what? We'll have a time of prayer before we do this, and you can seek the forgiveness that God offers us through Jesus Christ, and we ask you to take communion with us. With that being said, we'll have a minute, a moment of, of silent prayer where we can pray and just confess our sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know what to pray today, just say, Lord, I make really big mistakes. I'm not worthy of your grace, but thank you for giving it to me anyway. Okay? Let's pray.